Now, I have been, as someone's mentioned already, walking through the book of Genesis, sitting down with the patriarchs. And today, I am looking again in the story of Joseph. But today, I'm going to focus in chapters 44 and 45 of Genesis on a figure that you may not have contemplated before. This is a son of a beloved father. His name is Judah. Judah has many flaws. We are acquainted with some of them by the accounts in Scripture. But he also is a man of courage. He takes the initiative, and so the symbol for the tribe of Judah is the lion, which is why Jesus is called in the book of Revelation the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is from the lineage of Judah, one of the 12 sons of Jacob. So we're going to visit this passage, and I'm going to start reading in verse 27 of chapter 44. And you will recall Joseph sold into slavery, now advanced to be governor of Egypt. The famine now ravaging not only Egypt, but all the surrounding countries, Jacob saying to his sons, why are you staring at one another? Get up and go get food in Egypt. And so we've had a saga of their journey to Egypt and their return. Joseph, not revealed to them yet, sabotaging their journey in a way, questioning their motives. But finally them having to return to Egypt again for food. And Judah asked for a private conference with the governor. And in verse 27 of chapter 44, Judah, the fourth son of Leah, the fourth in the line of Jacob, your servant my father said to us, he speaks now to Joseph, You know that my wife bore me two sons. He speaks of Rachel. One of them went away from me, and I said, He has surely been torn to pieces. This, of course, refers to those lion brothers who sold Joseph to slave traders and then told Dad that wild beasts got him. So Dad still believes it. This lie has prevailed in the family for over 20 years. He has surely been torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. The words of Jacob. Judah says, so now, if the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father. And if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, 
Please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. And let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come upon my father. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. People change over time. These brothers who hijacked Joseph and sold him into slavery are now fiercely protecting Benjamin, the other son of the favored wife, Rachel. Judah has changed as well. He did fight for the life of Joseph, you'll recall, back when the brothers wanted to sell him into slavery or or to kill him. He's the one who came up with, let's sell him into slavery. That was Judah. Judah now pleads for the life of Benjamin. Families change too over time, and this family has, and your family has changed as well. That happens as time moves along and people age. Attitudes change. Relationships change. And these brothers who were so angry at Dad and at Joseph years ago, their attitudes have tempered now. They have a little different perspective. Some of them have their own children. All their mothers are now in the grave and things look different where they stand now compared to where they were more than 20 years ago I think about Judah coming before this stranger the governor of Egypt pleading for the life of his brother Benjamin and doing so because of what it would do to his dear old dad. And I think about the Bible's instruction, honor your parents. Judah is doing that. He's honoring his father. He knows that if he returns back to the land of promise without Benjamin, it will break his father's heart. And if it costs him his life, he's not going to break his father's heart. Now, I want to tell you, Jacob is no spring chicken. This father of which he speaks, this gray-headed man, is 130 years old. And Judah's willing to lay down his life so that he can eke out a few more years of happiness on the planet? Some would say of a person that old, well, I think it's about time for them to go on, you know. 
They really can't contribute much anymore. We have surprisingly cavalier attitudes toward the aged. You realize this, don't you? There are ten commands, and one of them comes with a promise, a promise of long life on the planet. It's the fifth command, honor your father and mother, that your life may be long upon the earth. In this culture, those gray-headed people were revered and especially valued. We ought to learn the lesson. Sixty percent of the residents of our nursing homes never get a visit from a family member or friend. They are abandoned in these institutions. I know fathers and mothers aren't perfect. And Jacob is a premier example of a flawed dad who favored one son over another and set up a hierarchy in his family that sabotaged that family and brought heartache and difficulty all through those years. I know Jacob's not perfect, but Judah honors his father in his old age. If you can't do it for him or for mom, do it for yourself. Do it so that you can confer dignity and value on your own life as a son of that mother or father. Judah honored his father. A life lesson for us all. And he is so concerned about his father's happiness. He does not want his dad going to the grave in sorrow. He does not want misery to come upon him. He wants, in fact, this son Judah, wants to protect his dad, watch over his dad, and help his dad have a great end-of-life experience. And Jacob's going to live another 17 years. And Judah is going to do everything in his power to make his final years years of joy, not grief. And his whole effort to save Benjamin is so that he can spare his father pain and misery. Minimize the sorrow. Minimize the loss in your family. It's interesting, but almost all ethicists, almost all systems of morality, no matter where they come from, agree on this. It is good for us to reduce suffering and pain. As a general rule, we ought to work to achieve happiness in people's lives. And the Apostle Paul, when he talked about the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, he said this, love 
does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Well, we know that love is a lot of things. It it takes the initiative. It it expresses kindness and patience and and long-suffering toward others. Love keeps no record of wrongs. We know all those things about love, but love does no harm as well to its neighbor. I think this family, Jacob's family, has been through enough over the last 20 years that they're tired of the carnage. They just don't want the pain and sorrow anymore. They don't want to inflict it upon one another. Judah himself has lost two boys. He's a dad. Two of his sons have died as has his mother. Jacob is an old widower who has experienced the loss of at least two grandchildren and the loss of Joseph, his beloved son. I asked my dad one day, he used to hunt. Dad quit hunting in his older years. I said, Dad, why don't you hunt anymore? You know what he said? The older I get, the less I want to see anything die. (laughs) I think life experience with pain and sorrow is part of the antidote against inflicting it on others. There comes a point in your life where you can say, I know what that feels like, and I'm not going to do it to her. I'm not going to do it to him. You know the young are more likely to be violent than the old. The average age for a murderer in our city is probably about the average age of a college student. Age is no guarantee that you will shed the lust for violence. But it does contribute in most cases to a feeling that let's live peaceably with all men. Let's just be at peace. And Judah, after the pilgrimage of his own sorrow, comes to this point where he says, in order to spare my father misery and my brother violence, I'll lay down my own life. We have an interesting culture of death. We're here by this cemetery where we bury the dead and have done so for 150 years or longer, actually. You know, there was a time when if a family member died, the family members prepared the body for burial. Did you know that? There was a time when the body was laid out in the living room of the home where that person had lived. And the family members sat by that body until it was buried. There was a time when they put that body in a wagon or a carriage and the family transported it to the cemetery. There was a time when the brothers and the sons 
dug the grave themselves. Now we seek to be as aloof and apart from death as we can. And we want to protect our children from the notion of real death, though they see it on TV all the time. It's a different thing to be in its presence. And young people, I would say to you, your understanding of sorrow, pain, and death is an essential dimension of you growing up in Christ. It's part of what teaches you how to follow Him, how to know Him better, how to understand His own sorrow, what it meant for Him to go to the cross, how His mother felt when she was there. And you need not insulate and isolate yourself from the heartache and difficulties of the world. And I know that hospitals and nursing homes smell strange. And they look different. And there's unfamiliar places to us. But I wonder if it wouldn't be a good thing for all of our young people to be acquainted with the hospital, the nursing home, even the funeral home, to understand the value of their own life and to avoid unnecessarily inflicting suffering on another. When Judah comes before this strange man, the governor of Egypt, to plead for the life of his father, he makes an interesting request. He says to him, I would like to have a personal word with you. Say, he's the governor. He's a busy man. He has lots to do. This is a business transaction. Somebody might say to Judah, that's a little inappropriate, sir. We don't need you sharing your family experiences with the governor. He's a very busy man. But Judah knows that if the governor will hear out his story, the story will tell him more than any facts he could deliver. And not only will the, sto- the story inform him, he will identify with the story. When Judah talks about his dad and talks about his brothers and his family experience, he knows that governor, whoever he is, has a family experience too. Men and women, this is why you learn to tell your personal story of faith. This is why you try to boil it down to a nutshell. Because you're going to be at work one day, or you're going to be riding in the car one day, and somebody's going to ask the question that tells you God's working on their heart. This is a moment of spiritual opportunity. And the most powerful thing you have to share is your personal story of faith. The personal story is so important. That's why Judah tells it. I have a dad and I've got a brother and we have a family. And we've already lost one of us. And it brought sorrow to my father and we thought he would die. And now for him to lose this one, you can't imagine what will be on this old man. 
for you to formulate your personal story. Help somebody who is struggling with a decision identify with you. It also shows a transparency about you. Judah is letting the governor into his life. He's opening the windows. He's saying, take a look at me. And that's a winsome thing to do. It's a powerful thing to do. For you to be transparent enough to give your own story. Maybe your story of pain and suffering as Teresa Bovier has. And the telling of the story helps a mom and a dad and a brother connect and understand. Somebody said a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, I think a story is worth a thousand other words too. It's why the master teacher, the greatest rabbi who ever walked the planet, told stories in his teaching. Not all of them were personal, but the story lodged in our hearts and we read it again and again and when we think about it we see ourselves in the parables and the stories of Jesus although it seems like a step for Judah as a beggar to ask to share this personal word it is the most powerful thing he can do with the governor and do you know when he is done it breaks the heart of that man who sits before him And he cannot contain himself anymore once he has heard the story. When I read through the story of Judah, I see a lot of parallels with every family, no matter where they are, who they are. But then I come down to this statement he makes. Let the boy go home and let me be your slave. And when I hear Judah make that statement I can't help but think about Jesus his far distant descendant who will not for good people but for sinners lay down his life too Judas willing to go down on behalf of his father and his brother and lots of people might do that The scripture says, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But take this leap. God demonstrated his love for you in this way. While you were a sinner, while you were going your own way and doing your own thing and even turning your back on him, Christ died for you. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the satisfaction for our sin. You see, the story of Judah and his willingness to lay down his life takes me right to the cross where Jesus did just that. And it is the call, the wonderful call of the cross to come trust the God who loves you this much, even when you in confusion and disobedience go your own way. He loves you this much and come to the cross to learn this kind of life. Brothers, if God loved us in this way, we ought also to love one another. I read the story of Judah and I think again of that truth. Somebody's going down. 
Violence put down Joseph and many another man. But it was Jesus' choice not to put down another, but to lay his own life down. He did it for you. As he lays his own life down, he calls you to trust him as the one who made you and loves you. Surrender your life to him. In fact, in one point he says, I'm knocking on the door. If you open this door, I'm going to come into you and set a table for two. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to have a relationship with you, a personal relationship between you and me, one-on-one. That's what the Father offers through the death and sacrifice of his Son. Let's bow together. Have you ever trusted the Christ who laid down his life for you? Have you stopped at the threshold of faith and never taken that step to actively say, Lord, here I am. I believe you died on the cross for me and I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. Have you ever been there? This is the moment of decision, the time of response for you to say, Lord, I believe in you and I want you in my life. Confessing your sin, receiving his forgiveness, and committing your life unto him. Maybe you watched this baptism at the first of the service and thought, you know, I really need to do that. I wonder how that happens. Well, how it happens is you talk to a counselor in just a minute, one of our prayer counselors, and tell him, you know, I've already trusted Christ, but I want to be baptized as a believer, making a conscious statement of my own faith. And we'll be glad to help you with that. If you need a church home, you say, how, do, how does a person join this church? You respond, talk to a prayer counselor. Maybe you just need to come and pray at the front here. You're welcome to do that or to pray about a matter, any matter, with one of our counselors. Lord, we pray now for your Holy Spirit to have free reign, free access to our hearts. God, don't let us drift away from what you want to do in us in this time of response. Help us to pay attention to your voice, to your call, and help us to respond. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.